This is the Thought Leaders Podcast. Everybody to the kickoff episode of season two of the Thought Leaders Podcast. And today, I mean, I feel like I, I uh, landed the big fish, the white whale. One of my <laughs> personal favorite YouTubers, the man who got me addicted to YouTube, Mr. Mike Tornabene, or as you might know him, uh, as Dom Mazzetti from Bro Science Life. The man, the legend himself. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. Uh, it's it's always funny to hear. It's like the, someone who got me into YouTube. I'm like, man, I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> well, yeah, I was I was scrolling through your feed. You've been doing it, I think, what? You put out your first video like seven years ago? Ten. Ten years ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would say the first video. So let's, let me fanboy out for a second. First video I saw of yours, I want to say maybe one of the CrossFit ones. Which is just just a legendary, you know. When even to this day, when I have a friend who's trying to do CrossFit, I'm like, "Let me. Why don't you watch this video? This <laughs> very scientific, scientifically proven video, and then tell me what you think." But uh, no, so let's just get right into this. Um, would you love to hear a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you grew up, and um, yeah, how you started the whole YouTube thing? Sure. Um, I'm from New Jersey originally, Clinton, New Jersey. Uh, since I can, you know, two years old, lived there, and then uh, went to high school there. 18, went to NYU, uh, studied film and television. So, you know, I always wanted to uh, to be in entertainment. Uh, the idea was to write comedy. Uh, at the time, YouTube wasn't, um, it, ex- it had just, it existed, but it wasn't like a career path for people. It wasn't like, you know, an option. It was just kind of like, you know, you watch silly videos on there or whatever. So I was, you know, thinking traditional media, I wanted to, you know, write a uh, comedy, write a screenplay, ideally sell a TV show, sell a, a feature length uh, screenplay. Um, and uh, I grew up with my uh, my buddy Gion, who we later you know started the Domazetti stuff together with. I'd known him since second grade and we had good comedic chemistry and he went to uh, to Temple in Philly for, for uh, finance. And we just kind of started writing together over video chat um, just because we were like, you know, we were just we're funny, we had good chemistry comedically. We're like, hey, let's just, you know, write some stuff and like work on a show. And at the time it was just kind of like a, you know, um, it was like a side project kind of thing. But as like the years went on, we're like, all right, we need to start taking this more seriously because I was in films, so my, you know, path was pretty clear. And he was in finance, so he was like, I need to know what we're doing. So we kind of like buckled down and took it a little more seriously. And it's like, all right, let's, you know, let's figure this out. Let's just try to make it. And uh, about, you know, graduated in 2010 and we both moved into an apartment in Upper East Side and just started filming uh, YouTube sketches to get our name out there. And the idea being that someone would watch these sketches and be like, oh, these guys are funny. Let me, you know, hire them to write some stuff or like, you know, read their scripts. No, we never thought like, let's be YouTubers. It, it wasn't even really like a thing. And even the idea of it back then, I was like, I don't want to be a YouTuber. Like this is what I knew of YouTube was a totally different landscape. We didn't even know you can get paid doing it. Um, so we started making videos and uh, about a, a year of just like people, you know, sketches, random stuff, no one really watching it. And then uh, we made the first Domazetti video. And this was back when Facebook it didn't have like a, a feed. You had to like manually post on people's walls. Yeah. So way- wow. <laughs> <laughs> the blast what were they thinking? Yes, I do remember. <laughs> so the way we spread like our, our content back, poking. Do you remember that? They would you would get a poke message. Yeah. yeah. People who were a lot older than you who didn't realize that ended would do that like 30, you know, like I feel like yeah. years ago I was still getting poked by random people. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. So it was like it, everything was just a, a totally different world. Uh so we we had made this Facebook page just called Mike and Gion, and it was like the, the hub for our, our comedy or whatever, where we would share our sketches. And so since you couldn't post on a feed and pages didn't exist, it was just a profile. We used to like friend a bunch of people and manually go to their walls and post our videos onto their walls, like personally, and just try to spread it that way. And, you know, we did our sketches and it kind of was like, you would see it, people laughing at it in our like friend group or high school people that we knew. And then we did the first Domazetti video people really liked it. And we did the second one, which was Damazetti versus Four Loco. And we saw that it was being shared outside of our friend group and outside of people we knew. We're like, oh, this is going slowly going viral. And it's just an interesting thing to see because it was, you had no way of seeing it where now you can just see like shares go up and likes go up. It was like, 
I had to see it being shared by somebody who was a friend with somebody. And it was, you know, a thousand views turned into 10,000 views, 10,000 views turned a hundred thousand views. And then we just kept making more of these sketches. Uh, and we're like, Oh, this is, this is working. And, um, this was, uh, October, 2010. Yeah. October, 2010. And then we got connected with somebody who was, uh, who, just started like the YouTube MCNs and it was uh, just the start of full screen. I was like, Hey, you guys can be a YouTube partner and make money off of uh, the ad revenue. I'm like, all right, sounds good. Still didn't think this is like a side business still ultimate goal, get to Hollywood, write a TV show. And we started, you know, earning money doing that. And then it just became more and more of like, it just grew and we grew the business out of it. And the, the goal was still, you know, use it as a launching platform. But then it just became, you know, it evolved as uh, alongside of social media, basically. And then, you know, ended up where, where I am now, which is like 10 years later, uh, still making the videos and, you know, got <clears throat> gotten close to doing, you know, something larger with it, but kind of realizing that it's YouTube is, it, it is a good home. Uh, there's a lot of things you have to deal with, but, you know, I grew the businesses off of it. And now it's like, you know, I have a successful clothing brand, which is my main thing. And now I make YouTube videos basically to market, but totally the path was all over the place. But at the end of the day, it was kind of like it, it worked out. Yeah. Well, first of all, that the lot of, lot to uh, unpack uh, what you said, really interesting stuff. So were you kind of disc- I don't want to say discouraged, but um, you know, you set, you touched on that. You were really hoping to do the Hollywood stuff and the screenplay. And then I guess in a positive way, you got this, you know, the big YouTube hit and it blew up. But was that kind of like, oh, damn, I wish something else would have happened? Or you kind of rolled with punch and like, this is awesome regardless. No, that was like at the time, that was like the the big break we were hoping for. But it, I guess it I thought I guess we thought that like it would it would get more attention quicker. It would be like, oh, you know. Because this was it wasn't like back in the day, you know, everyone's just kind of going viral on YouTube. You know, it was like if, if you did and you did something, more people noticed. But I think because they weren't sure what to do with with that, there was th- that transition from digital media to traditional media hadn't really been executed in any way. So people in traditional media still saw it as like, this isn't going to translate. We're not going to pay attention to this. And we thought it would be like, oh, look, look at all these views we're getting and subscribers like they should be you know, knocking at our door and being like, Hey, let's, let's make a TV show. And it never really, like, it didn't really, you know, result in that until several years later. So at the time we're still like chasing that, but also like realizing that this was a big break. Like we were, you know, wasn't expecting it, but it, it, it totally worked out. And we're like, you know, I wouldn't, I don't know where we would be if it hadn't gone that way. You know, what would we be doing? Like writing scripts still? I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll touch on kind of something you said a little later, but it just, you know, this is my opinion. I'll see the ticket for what you will. Um, I think that, you know, the personality and the channel, Dom Zetti, like that only happened on YouTube in the best possible way. Because I always think of YouTube um, kind of as HBO back in the day, right? When The Sopranos were on and like everyone was straight, you know, straight down the line very black and white cookie cutter. And then you had HBO, which was like really pushing the envelope, which you can do and say whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. And for me, I always find that YouTube is kind of like that where you can, you know, there's no, there's no wall stopping you. And obviously you guys have some, you know, outrageous, incredible content, but I only see that happening on YouTube. But um, before we get to that, I would like to talk about how the, persona Don Mazzetti and how the fitness stuff kind of, how'd you guys decide to do that or it was just on a whim? Yeah. Uh, so we've been doing the Don Mazzetti versus channel, which was the initial channel for, uh, I think around three years. And it, at that time it was mainly like college related current events type things from like all, like all over the place. Um, and I had been working out since freshman year of college. It was like a big, part of my, you know, hobbies or, you know, my, my passion at the time. So I knew all about it. I was actually before, before, you know, making money doing YouTube, I was a personal trainer for a bit. So I was like, you know, pretty ingrained in the fitness world, but it wasn't, it still hadn't become super mainstream. You know, it was like, you 
bodybuilders and meatheads were like still on the fringe a bit. It was like people were definitely going to the gym more and more and it was getting more popular, but it wasn't anywhere near what it is now. And we had seen that the popularity coming up and not really anything on social media about it. But a big thing at the time in uh, the fitness community was like bodybuilding.com forums and sites where you like you would get these tutorial workout videos and it's just like this dude working out shirtless and like telling you how to do these exercises. We just thought it was kind of funny. And we're like, we should do something like that with Dom doing these like parody tutorials. And I was like, all right, how do we make this bigger than just like silly, you know, parodying a guy just showing you exercises. I was like, let's make a, a fitness channel where it's about how to navigate. It's not how to actually work out, but how to go to the gym, like how to navigate the social structure of working out and all that stuff. And, and the things that people aren't talking about and like the human behavior behind it, the psychology and all the things that, you know, are relatable that people do and, but don't talk about. And it's kind of, it became one of those things like, you know, you can look up how to do bench press, but you can't look up, you know, what to wear to the gym to not look like a total noob. Like you can look, you can't look up like, you know, how to, have proper etiquette in the locker room. And these are all the things that, you know, later I would, I would hear people say like, you know, Oh, I lost a, uh, you know, hundred pounds. Cause of you, I'm like, you know, there's no actual advice in those videos, right? <laughs> Listen, here, here's some uh, live feedback from you on that. So uh, first of all, I'm in Tel Aviv, right? So you have fans all over the world, just so you know. So, and uh, me and a couple of buddies, we work out at the gym down the block. And every time I'm a big believer in supersets, every time I'm doing supersets, I have a friend, my friend Lior, he comes over to me and he whispers in my ear and he does the thing with the arms. He goes, super sick. <laughs> so it's like you got, you have really like, and it's, it's what, like, I know a lot of people who know your content and you make, you add the fun comedic aspect to working out, which is really unique. Is that, was that always kind of the goal of, Hey, let's motivate people through comedy or is just strictly comedy? That, that was an, a, a, an accidental thing that we didn't realize what like even took hold until I started hearing people talk about it. So like, for instance, you know, someone coming up to me and telling me they lost a hundred pounds. I was like, how is it's like, I, you know, there's other places to actually learn how to lose weight. And the, a lot of people would say things like you made the gym less intimidating. Like now I, I, I had the, I had, you know, the fear or the hesitation to go because you didn't know, you didn't want to be made fun of or look like a new. So getting rid of that and making these things that people, you know, think of as intimidating, more relatable, like, oh, now, now I can do this. This isn't such so scary anymore. And I, and I also hear it from the other side, people who are like really serious about fitness being like, it's nice to laugh about these things because it seems like such a serious environment. Um, and, you know, you get these big juice heads. Everyone looks at like just these serious, angry roid rage kinds of kind of guys but it's like they're you know they're just as human as everybody else and they don't actually have an outlet to, to joke about those things so i would hear both of those which neither i thought were a goal it was just like let's let's make fun of the the relatability aspect of fitness and for a lot of that it was just looking at myself i was like what do i do and why like being you know a, a gym rat i'm like that's 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 a you know the first step like <laughs> look at yourself yeah. Why do I do these things? Yeah, I think it's great because, you know, I, as I was saying, I watch, you know, the channel with a lot of my friends, but even I have, you know, people who don't work out. It's super relatable to everyone and it's really nice. Um, but And I think some of the relatability in it is the character. So can you walk me through uh, kind of how you created Dom and inspirations and kind of all that, those issues or topics? Sure. Uh Dom originally started as just an accent that me and a, a different friend would do whenever we were just like joking around or just like acting like you would imagine Dom acting now and that, you know, the character. And uh, the first ever piece of content I used the character in was a, a script I wrote for a sketch comedy bit in one of my screenwriting classes. Where Dom was originally this like middle-aged OG Guido Italian dude with a, a really shitty cooking show, and he was like microwaving hot dogs and stuff, and it was just like a funny script, and the character was hilarious. So you know, it was always it, it, this was back in probably two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, maybe. So two years before uh, you know we even made a YouTube video with it, and then um, the idea just came up to play this character. 
um, as like an interview subject of like whatever's going on currently. So the first video was Dom versus terrorism, which is hilarious first video. I don't know why we did that. You're a, little, you're a little more free when you don't actually have an audience. You know, you can just kind of like do whatever you want. Yeah, it's it's, it's more free when no, you know, no one's listening. So you just throw it at a wall. And it, awesome. it doesn't stick awesome because no one knows you threw it at the wall. Yeah, exactly. And so it was like, it wasn't the first viral one, but it was the first one where like people liked the character. And, you know, the second one was a viral one. But the idea behind that video was there was like some bomb scare in Brooklyn and, and there were so many like question marks around it. I'm like, who's handling these things? It's just some guy comes over and like, he's like, it could be a bomb, could be a bicycle. I don't know. You just, I'm the guy, I put a, I put a top over it. I back away. I like, just don't touch. I'm not the, the bomb diffusing guy. Okay. And we just thought it'd be funny if like, there's this total imbecile in charge of like a really serious thing. And you're interviewing him because if you're reading his article, there's no answers. And you're like, who's in charge of this? Or like, let's just use this character as like, you know, he's a bomb squad agent. And he's like, he's the guy in charge of, you know, handling these situations. And it turned out funny. And it was just like this interview process of me just like improving uh, this situation. And Guillaume on the other side interviewing me. And it worked out well. And so the next one was Four Loco. And I guess the character evolved through uh, the topics of, of the time where it was like uh, Four Loco. The idea behind that was I was noticing everyone talking about how they were just blacking out drinking Four Loco. And they would just go, oh, I had the craziest weekend. I did all this stuff. And I was like, all right, well, let's make fun of that. Let's make fun of these people who were like, they sang they had the craziest weekend. It just starts out as like, you know, super lame, typical uh, New York bridge and tunnel experience where you're just like going in there, going to the club and standing around shouting at girls. And then it just evolves into your night of chaos. But it's all said kind of satirically where, you know, most of it's embellished or like you just making it up entirely and it's just making fun of that. But that's what like, people would do when they black out and that's what their stories would sound like. And it was that relatability aspect. And then using the characters, like, um, just kind of the, everyone's inner voice, I guess, or it's like, it's, it's turned up to 11, but like, I know a ton of people like that. Everyone knows people like that, but yeah. more importantly, like mo you're like that, like inside there's a part of you that's like Dom. And that's, that's where I latch on to it's, it's all about like, calling out those things that people do, like I said, human behavior, psychology, and, and thinking about like why someone behaves the way they do. Once I figure that out, I'm like, now let's use Dom as the mouthpiece to talk about those things and, and be that character who isn't self-aware enough in his own like way that you're like, Oh, I can see myself in this silly manner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think one of the fa my favorite parts of the character obviously is the, the headband. So is there a special story behind that? Or that's just was something you picked up off the ground and, like, wow. Uh, we, I just used that because I wanted something to, to differentiate the character and, and just make it more of a character when it came to the gym stuff. So it was just like, because initially it was um, when the Dom Verse videos, I would dress up like whatever situation I was making fun of. For hipsters, I had this like giant deep V-neck and like these mutton chops and this like flat brim hat. Uh, so there was always something for me to like... Uh, make it more of a character when I was doing Dom first. And then when it was the gym videos, uh, that wasn't going to be an option, but I wanted it to look more, you know, of a character and wanted something to separate it. So it just, you know, we had a t-shirt at the time uh, that said, get at me. And I just cut it out of a t-shirt and just made it into a headband. And I was like, well, that's the character. <laughs> there it is. It's synonymous with the character. I mean, it's, it's, it's you, it's him. It's, it's really awesome. Um, so now let's talk about the content, um, which I think is some of the best, most original, and most importantly, refreshing stuff on YouTube. Like, first of all, we know, and for those of you who don't know, um, who are listening, the fitness industry on YouTube, sometimes a very toxic place on both sides. Um, you're such a breath of fresh air while at the same time being so over the top and saying some of the most outlandish, outrageous things in the best way possible. So first of all, how, how does that all work? And kind of, can you walk me through your writing process? Uh, of putting yeah. um, so I guess to touch on like how to navigate the toxic environment that is fitness, uh, it, it can be difficult because you're like, everything is predicated on more or less insecurity. Like that's, that's how everyone gets to these extreme levels of where they're at. And I think 
understanding that and understanding that that's true in just about everybody, like, you know, yourself included and the other people you're looking at, like breaking it down to those relatable things and kind of hedging what you talk about. Like, if you know, you're going to say something like that's going to upset certain people, you have to know you're saying like what you're, why you're saying it first and the way it's delivered. Cause the idea is like this joke, I want everyone to laugh at the people who are laughing at those people and the people who are those people. I want both of them to laugh at it instead of the people who are those people being offended or, or, you know, just being like, this guy is an asshole. It's like, I want everyone to kind of like come around that, that idea. And like you said, like breath of fresh air, people laughing at the things that no one else laughs at. So kind of using that as the, uh, the, um, the guide to how I, I make these things. It's like, I want to, the joke isn't done until I know it's going to be received properly. Like I have the idea, but the structuring of the joke, then um, I can change a few words around, even like it comes down like the syntax of it, that it can be received entirely differently. If you, you know, switch these words or, or put a different, uh, you know, uh, term in there and just kind of like really fine tuning it. So at the end of the script, it's like, this is exactly what I want to say. And this is exactly how I want people to react to it. And that's why it's, it's worked so well. Um, as far as content goes on a larger scale, it's like, I think about first, like what I want to talk about, like what I want to, what I have in my mind, what, what I want to make fun of, what I want to vent about. And then I, that's usually results in the best stuff. Uh, that becomes harder to do as you know, the channel grows and, and you do years and years of it. Uh, so now it's like that type of content is coming at a premium. Uh, and then once it's like, all right, here's something I, I really want to talk about or something that's really current and I have a lot to say, then I think how, what's a good concept to wrap it around. So um, a more recent video was uh, the, the is lifting gay video where I was like, this is something I've wanted to talk about for so long. And it's such a big thing in, in the fitness thing. And I'm like, the, the idea behind that video was that I, you would see it all the time in like, you know, talking about the toxic fitness community people commenting on like a dude being like, Oh, you know, calling a dude gay or anything uh, like of that nature. We're not realizing that they're talking about some dude and his legs while he's wearing like a speedo. And it's like, how are you not seeing the irony of what you're saying here? Right. And it's like, you throw these the, the words around and you're like, you don't see the irony of, of you are, you love fitness so much, which is just entirely around the male body. And you're like, I wanted to point out the hypocrisy in that. And I was like, how do I do this? Cause it's like, there's so many like homoerotic things that these guys who are like, you know, just throw it around as an insult. Don't realize they're doing themselves. I'm like, this is hilarious. I have to point these things out, like the grunting and the sweating and the spotting. So I'm like, how do I get this into like a, an easily digestible piece of content? Cause it's all really touchy stuff. Like, you know, you don't want to just like sound like you're being homophobic, but you also don't want to like overly attack the people who are just like, you know, that you're trying to slowly get to realize their own hypocrisy. So I was like, what's a good concept? I'm like a Venn diagram where it's like, I keep thinking they're separate. And then you keep realizing that it's all right in the middle. And it was like, that was the perfect concept for that idea that was, that was able to deliver it without it like being misunderstood on either side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I love, so I'm, I'm, I, correct me if I'm wrong, that was, that video you did in your style where you just, you're with the whiteboard, right? Yeah. Right. Walk me through that style because that's very unique to you, and I feel like that is really you know that's really fucking hard to do. And you crush all those videos. Uh, those are my favorite videos when you're there with the easel or the whiteboard and just oh, like great, great. that's really hard shit. And I would love to hear kind of how how is that like pressure doing that? Are you ad lipping? Are you writing things down beforehand? I really like doing those videos um, because they they usually have a, <clears throat> a really good concept wrapped around them. And once I know there's a good concept, I'm like. They're easier to write. They're easier to execute. Um, I think the first one I did with the whiteboard was uh, the "Do You Even Lift" flowchart. Mm -hmm. okay. It was like once I knew that concept, I was like, "This is golden." I ha I, I got to figure this out. So I like I just took a piece of like printer paper and started just like plotting all these these things, and I wrote it down on you know with pencil. And figured out like how to how to make this joke work with everything and it was like just spidering out into this like you know a beautiful mind looking <laughs> ridiculous thing which is all about 
you know, lifting and then these arrows. So it's just like, I think as complicated as it is to get it to, to the end result, like once the, the concept is there and it's strong, everything's a little bit more clear. So I try to think about that and it actually really helps with the writing because the hardest thing sometimes is when it's like just too open and you're just like, I'm just going to talk about these things, but having something that's, um, you know, directs the, the flow of, of the, uh, the jokes or the material uh, makes writing it easier. You have to spend a little bit more time coming up with that concept and structuring it. Uh, and yeah, like the, the Venn diagram, that one was just like, once I knew that the idea of it, it's like, where, where does it end? It ends with like, you think these two things are separate and every time you're like, well, you know, I guess you can argue that it puts it here. And like, I knew where it was going to end with that. Um, the flow chart's a little bit more difficult because you have to like really think about every single angle and then see it through. And so I've got versions where like, I have to like erase and or like completely start over. And, um, but I like that, you know, it's, it, they're easier to shoot though. Cause like when I shoot the gym videos, I actually, I have to work out while doing it and <laughs> delivering lines and it's fucking exhausting and I'm like sweating and it's like two and a half hours of like, you know, nonstop working out and shouting. And I'm like, this is hard to do. Uh, so, so it's yeah, I actually wanted to ask, so I'm wondering now, um, when are you, this is something I've always wondered, not with your, only, not only with your channel, a lot of channels, are you like filming these videos at like three in the morning when there's no one at the gyms? How does that work? Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so initially, yeah, it was like when the gym closed at like 11 and then I would, I would work out right before and get a, you know, sweet pump workout at like 11 PM and then the gym would close and start shooting at midnight. It's just like, it's brutal, you know, like, cause it's like to be on and to be funny and it's like you have to think about it all day and then you shoot it like you know 1 a.m and you have to keep that energy up so anytime we could like not do that it would be good so we started shooting at gyms around here once it became more popular that people knew what i was doing and knew who i was uh, so we would shoot you're in california you're in california yeah um so once people started knowing what was going on i felt a little more comfortable just shooting at a gym while there was people there because uh, I didn't want to, you know, actually bother people's workouts or, you know, interrupt stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the gym screaming about some some pretty crash shit. So I don't want to be like around some soccer mom. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? It, which happened one time. And I was like, we're never again shooting at a gym where, where people don't know who I am. and don't know what's going on. Like never again. For Tom's Ed, you can't just drop that on Innocent Bison. Like I need to be like. I can't be thinking about that type of stuff when I'm like in character, like doing this thing. I need to be like focused on that. So it is more, it is a better video when no one's around, even just for like audio quality. But, um, you know, it's, it's weighing out to like, do I want to be shooting at 1am versus, uh, just at a dead time in the gym. So we do a little bit of both. Uh, some gyms, you know, close earlier and we just figure that out. But yeah, uh, just at night pretty much. I've noticed also uh, you have this uh, this great uh, running uh, rival with uh, Bradley Martin. I've seen you've been uh, shooting a lot of videos at his gym. So did you guys know each other before and or you guys just got kind of connected once you're both, I guess, in L.A. and doing the YouTube fitness stuff? Yeah, we met um, shortly after I moved to L.A. I met at Gold's Venice. And uh, yeah, we just like became friends and then the rivalry started with the, the gym nemesis video where it was like, uh, cause we kind of, we look similar, like facially, I guess, but it was like, you know, the, the, the joke, and it's, it's funny. Cause like, I don't even like saying it out of character cause it's such a, an ingrained joke in the community that like to hear even me admit that like Brad is bigger than me. People would be like, what are you doing? It's such a ridiculous joke. But the idea was like, you know, this was before that joke had existed. So it was like, I'm going to take a guy who cut, who kind of looks like me, but it's clearly much bigger. Right. And the idea is that Dom thinks that they're similar sized and that he's my nemesis now because he can't tell if, if I'm like, am I bigger than this guy or not? And so that was the joke that, you know, as when you find your gym nemesis, it's someone who actually is similar size and build and style to you. And you're constantly looking at them and sizing them up to be like, yeah, are you bigger or not? <laughs> yeah. I you know, guys I've been working out with who I have no idea what their name is. I just know we're always there at the same time. I'm yeah. like, Okay, what are you doing? Dumbbell bench press today. What am I doing? Dumbbell bench today. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Uh, but that, this, this is why the content is so awesome because it's so relatable to just everyone. And 
Um, yeah, I mean, so when it comes to the writing of the videos, are you doing that alone? Do you have a writing partner? How does that work? Uh, so I do it alone now. Uh, Vian and I worked together for the first probably seven years. Uh, and then, you know, he, I guess our career paths went different ways. You know, he, he started working in development at National Lampoon and, you know, we still, we're still close friends, but we just decided that like, this is, you know, it just makes more sense. Like, you know, he's going to focus on that. And I, I've been doing this long enough that like, I, you know, can do it alone. And so for the past three years, I just write alone. Um, yeah, I, at first it was kind of like difficult to sit down and just write something alone. I was like, I've done it before, but when it was like, all right, now it's just like, I got to do this all myself. It kind of got difficult, but now it's, you know, a little, little bit more formulaic, but yeah, just, just me. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, I do, I do a little, uh, I've been trying to do stand up, and I write with a friend of mine and it's much easier to write when I'm with her as opposed to, um, alone. but you, so you have a strong comedic background. Do you do stand up things like that or it's just, you're just really sticking to the Dom stuff? Just the Dom stuff. You know, I considered stand up, uh, and you know, get hit up about it for, from different people just being like, Hey, why don't you do it? Or, you know, agents or whatnot asking if I want to get into that. And it's, it's definitely something I could do, but I kind of realize like, it's not really what I want to do. Like, I, I think I kind of, for some people it's like, that's, that's their passion. And that's like the, what they really want to do for others. It's like, that's their in, you know, like that's their into to the world of comedies, like doing stand up. And I guess through YouTube, that was like, I didn't need to go that route to like get my name out there. Like it, it worked that way. And so when I thought about it, I'm like, Oh, I can now go do shows and go tour. And I'm like, I don't know if I really want that to be part of my life. You know, like I've, uh, I kind of like the way I do it now where, uh, you know, I can make videos kind of when I want to, and there's definitely an excitement to doing stand up, which I think would be interesting, but I'm not sure I want that kind of lifestyle for like, you know, my comedy job. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. No, I, I hear you. Uh, so speaking of kind of releasing videos whenever you want, I love it. So there was like kind of a break of like, what am I want to say? Like, I'm just looking. There's a, there was a break a while back, right? For a few months. And then you just came back with adventures. There's a break right now. You're, you're, you're sitting in a long one. Yeah. No, but there was a while like before Corona, um, I think there was a break. And then you, you've come back uh, with a vengeance, uh, which is great. And I think, um, that your fans and just reading the comment section it's like you have such great uh engagement um how do you feel about that that people are just super connected to you it's it's really awesome to see i mean i, I love i love seeing how like I, being on youtube and the internet can be a really hard place to be for a creator it's like you can get a lot of hate you can get a lot of like negative shit it makes you like makes it hard to want to continue to do your job if it's like that, I'd imagine. But I feel like I, I usually skirt a lot of that and everyone's just like super supportive of it. And the, the fans are great. And it's like, sure, you have to deal with like the, the standard, you know, hater comments, just like everybody else does. But um, everyone's just like really behind the whole idea of it. And I love that they get along with like, they go along with the jokes, you know, whether it's like the Brad smaller than Dom joke or the, the joke about me lying about weekly videos. I'm sure they would obviously love more more frequent content, but it's it's cool to see how committed they are to it. Where, you know, when it does get put out, they do watch it, and that's kind of part of my, I guess, strategy now. Um, just weighing out like how fresh content is for me and how energetic I am about something, and how knowing like I want if I put a video out, I want it to be seen. I don't want you to skip it and watch next week's video. You know, and that's what, that's how I try to keep my engagement up. That's how I try to keep my views up and just my, my own personal creativity um, going. And so it's cool to see that they're behind that and not just like, you know, screw this guy, he's not making videos anymore, like I'm done with it. But it's still like a, an anxiety and a pressure to be like, you've got to stay relevant to some degree, you know, you got you to be out there. You've been relevant for so long and it's, and it's just so great to see. And like, I'm just so happy. Um, not, you know, I don't know you, right? This is the first time meeting you, but it's, it's it's weird because whenever I see a new video from you or through the years, and especially because as I said, like you kind of got me into YouTube way back when, and now I work in the space, um, doing, uh, partnering with brands and sponsor, uh, to sponsor channels. Um, it's just so great that I can see that you are still on the top of your game, just as you were, you know, back 
four, five, six years ago. And speaking of running jokes, I think my personal favorite running joke is how you integrate your sponsors into the video. It's like, well, today we have a video because thanks to the sponsor, it's it's amazing, man. It's like, it's so refreshing to hear because you really don't, you know, dance around the fact that you, you hey man, you got, everyone's got to make a living. You're, you're doing right. you're doing it this way, which is awesome. Thanks. Yeah, that's, that's a big part of, uh, I, I really in, enjoyed that too. And, and I knew that like, to me, the, 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 the priority in everything I did was quality content. No matter what I did, it had to be the best version of what I could put out there. So, which is why I didn't put, don't put out videos every week, which is why when I do a sponsored ad, it's gotta be funny, it's gotta be worthwhile. And so th- in the beginning, when we started getting uh, sponsorships and, and um, integrations, it was still pretty new to, to YouTubers, you know, like now it's like really, really common where everyone's like, oh, like I'm expecting an ad to be there. But at this time, if you did it, people would be pissed about it. They'd be like, oh, you sell out. I don't want to listen to this because it was still very new. And I knew you're going to get that reaction because people it wasn't even four years ago. You know, it wasn't people making money like this is this is a really well-known job. People were still like, how do you make money on YouTube? You get that question all the time. Um, and now people accept like this is, you know, people got to make a living. This is uh, part of the, the landscape. But back then it's like if they see you trying to make money on YouTube, like you sell out, you sell out. What are you doing trying to make money doing your job? So I knew that would come. And I also just didn't want it to interfere with the, you know, the, the video. I didn't want it to break up the, the comedy. I didn't want people to click off or just get turned off by it. So I was like, if I'm going to do ads, they're going to be funny. Like they got to be funny. They got to be worth listening to. And also the only thing that really bothers people when you make an ad is when they pretend like they're not being paid to do it. Like, <laughs> like it's like the, the, the worst you can do is, is pretend like it's, it's, it's natural, not some contrived sort of thing that you're forcing and you're like, Oh, this, this product just happens to be here. The, if you're going to go middle of the route and just like be like, Hey, this is my sponsor for the week. This is what it is. People are like, cool, sponsored video, whatever. But when you try to like pull the wool over someone's eyes and, and make it seem like it's natural, they're like, mm, that doesn't feel right. That's cringy. I don't like the way that feels. And I'm, I'm not about this. So I was like, I'm going to go the opposite, like the complete other end of the spectrum, which is like, Don is always hurting for money. <laughs> so he's like needing this paycheck, which yeah. makes it, which makes people get behind the ad more too. Cause now they're like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm supporting Dom and his like gambling habits. But then it also makes this funny thing that people look forward to. And then I'm like, I'm also going to make the ad hilarious. Like I want people to enjoy this ad. I want it to be worthwhile. And um, I find when writing uh, comedy, you know, we touched on, on this a bit with the whiteboard stuff and concepts, sometimes having more restraints on, on what you on what you're writing makes you more creative. Like you're forced into this into this box and your jokes are more specific and they have to focus and you have to work around these parameters. Whereas like if you have nothing, you're just like free to write anything. You don't know where to start from. And, you know, I think having more specific things to talk about gives you um, jokes that otherwise would never come to mind. So it's actually pretty fun to write the ads uh, sometimes and they can get pretty hilarious. And it's always really cool to see how many brands are actually on board with the ridiculous things I say. Um, it's that's really refreshing for me because I'm always like, I don't want to write this amazing script and they come back like you can't say this, you can't say that. And I'll be like, there's a certain point where like if they, don't allow enough things. I'll, I'll actually just be like, I'm not going to do it. Like the, the, the dollar value is like, you can't pay it enough for it to be bad. And like, that's where I like, I have that personal thing where, you know, priority is quality content. Yeah. yeah that, that's uh that's really refreshing to hear. Uh, but speaking of, you know, kind of you touched on uh, out of the box, outrageous outlandish stuff. So I mean, today's culture, as everyone knows, is quite, uh, you know, cancel culture is in, as they'll say, that's the easiest way to say it. Yet you are saying wild stuff and it's amazing and it's funny and the reactions are just so positive. Do you have an explanation for that or have, or maybe have you felt the opposite and have you had backlash? Uh, no, I guess I, like, uh, I kind of touched on that as well with, um, you know, a little bit using the, is lifting gay as, as the example, but it it's it's tough. My, my philosophy though is like, you have to evolve with the times, right? Everyone's like comedy should be sacred and, and everyone's getting offended too easily. And yeah, like I'm not, I'm not big on just people being uh, overly offended by uh, every little thing. Like there's definitely, 
both sides of the spectrum you can look at. Like someone's being like, no, you're, you're, you're way too sensitive on everything. And it's like, you gotta find a middle ground. And other people are like, you should say whatever you want. And I disagree with both those things where I'm like, if you, if you as a comedian um, think you should just be able to say whatever you want and people should just laugh at it and not get offended, then you're kind of being a lazy comedian. Like you have to work with, you know, it's part of the challenge of that is like, you want the most amount of people to laugh at your stuff. You want it to be found funny and not just pointlessly offensive. And yeah, people are going to get offended. There are people that will get offended by the things I say, uh, but you have to do your diligence to make sure that you first is knowing that where it's coming from, you know, I know the things I'm saying though will end up in, in a touchy area that where they're coming from is not the a point of trying to, you know, uh, make fun of marginalized people or, or just say offensive things for the sake of offensive things. The goal is, is something larger because it's satire. It's kind of like whatever I'm end up saying at the end of the day, it's kind of like the opposite is what you really should be looking at. So when it came to like making a video about is lifting gay, I'm like, I don't want to sound like I'm just being homophobic. And cause this can go really bad. Like <laughs> this can really backfire on me. So I was like, how do I do that? I'm like, well, what am I really making fun of here? And if you understand that, then it's like, as long as you then work on that with that in mind, and then, you know, be really careful about how you structure your jokes and, and what you say and how it's going to be perceived, then I think you're, you're in, a, in a good space. But when you just like start saying shit, you know, you probably didn't mean it to be how it came out, but that's your job as, as somebody who's a, you know, writing comedy, you have to be aware of that. And it's like, if you want people just to not be offended by it, it's like, sorry, that's, that's how it goes. Like it's your job to manage people's reactions to something that is laughter. That is comedy. Like it's my goal to elicit a reaction from you. And that reaction should be laughter and, and understanding my message. And if you get pissed off because they're offended by, you know, something you said, sometimes, you know, it's true. Like they are being way too sensitive. Other times you just didn't do a good job and you're blaming somebody else for not finding you funny. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta do both, but it gets harder and harder. You know, you, you start second guessing things and you're like, Ooh, is this, do I, knowing that I, I, I don't mean anything by this, is it still going to get, uh, you know, swept in, into cancel culture and it's definitely getting more difficult, but you know, I try to just subscribe to that, that philosophy of like, know what you're making fun of first, work backwards from there, and then make sure the delivery is, is uh, you, you head yourself on all sides. Yeah. Oh, I really like that. I think that's a really, it's a great piece of advice for, you know, anyone putting out any type of content. Um, so before we talk about kind of the merch and all the awesome business stuff you're doing, I wanted to just, just on a very interesting, I got to know, do people understand that you are not the character? Or people just think that's who you are. If you see someone on the street, does that happen to you? It's like 50, 50, but I, I mean, but probably more like 70, 30. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't realize the character. Yeah. Um, especially, especially before I started doing like personal stuff, uh, you know, no one knew who I was outside of it. So they just thought that that was me. Um, I think the beauty of the channel and the character is like, you have people who understand the satire and love it because of the satire. And then you have people who are usually like younger gym bros who will get some of the satire, but love the over the top humor of this character. So they like believe in this character. So those are the people who like either think I am this guy 100% or I am to like a larger percentage of my actual personality is like Dom. And then the people who get more of the satire who are usually a little bit more older, uh, just understand that it's a character, but they don't really understand to what degree. And I think right. it's always surprising to whoever it is, you know, if they haven't seen me out of character, they're like, they'll be like, I knew it was a character, but it's like, it still seems very shockingly different. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that is, uh, you know, I'm sure that's funny just getting stopped on the street, people saying absurd things to you. But um, I want to talk about kind of the awesome stuff. And I know that you're very passionate about it. Um, uh, the apparel and the clothing line. So do you want to, I would love to, you know, if you could walk us through that, how that started, where you're taking it, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, it started, you know, randomly and funny, just like every other thing that I guess my YouTube career and Dom Zetti started with, you know, like I said, in the Dom Zetti verse channels, I would wear an, uh, an outfit or a costume that uh, represented whatever topic I was making fun of. 
So uh, in one of them, you know, I wrote, I would write on t-shirts with, with a marker just to make it funny. And uh, I wrote, get at me on one of them. Hashtag get at me, which is now what the headband says. Right. And people were like, you should sell that. You should sell that as a shirt. You should sell t-shirts. I'm like, okay. So, you know, looked into merchandise companies and got started with, you know, what is now a pretty common practice of uh, merchandise fulfillment companies. So started making t-shirts and, and merch as like a little bit of a side business, making a little bit of extra income on top of the, uh, the YouTube revenue. And then when, uh, when bro science came along, we moved to a different uh, merch company and it was the, the reps for Jesus shirt. Uh, that, hey, I was going to yeah. say that's my favorite shirt and that's everyone knows it. I actually have a friend who is a pastor. And uh, that's all. We just bust his balls all the time. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's so great. Because that that line and that shirt, like that line, just came out of my mouth for no reason. It was at the end of a video, and I was just like doing my please subscribe, and then I went to like grab the tricep extension, and I was like reps to Jesus, and I just said it, and I don't know why, and it just like stuck. So I, it became like the tagline, and then it just became a shirt, and then because that shirt was so like. It, it, it broke the, the beyond the barrier of just merch that you needed to know who I was to buy it. Like people who didn't watch the channel just thought it was a funny shirt. Right. So then it, then it really started to blow up the, um, the merchandise. And then I, you know, I just kind of grew it from with that concept of like, you know, delivering shirts that people were like thought were popular lines. And then uh, it, it became merchandise became my number one earner, which is like at this point, uh, I, I run a clothing company that I market through YouTube. <laughs> that's that's like the, where the other way it was like I run a YouTube channel and I sell merchandise on the side. Now it's completely the other way around. Um, but it's actually something that's become really enjoyable to me. Like um, I've always been into uh, you know art and and drawing and design. And in the beginning, I would just Photoshop all the designs myself and just make them. Now we have a, a design team I can send designs to, or I can work on them myself. Uh, but it's it was really fun to see making it a business that started as you know a side business of something just completely connected to entertainment where now i've been in the past year working on making it its own standalone business that can run independently of my youtube channel which you know allows me some to take some more control again of of uh comedy as it comes to like a passion instead of a job because once it's like it starts being a job it becomes harder to do and you don't enjoy it as much and now it's like, because I need to make YouTube videos to, to make a living, you don't do it for just fun anymore. And it kind of sucks when like, you don't just do comedy for fun because it's supposed to be fun. Exactly. Um, so now if I can separate um, that part of my livelihood and that can run on its own and I can just have a successful, independent, you know, funny clothing line, then I can have freedom to be like, now nah, I just want to make fun stuff and not feel like it, it has to you know, be there for my job. So I, I wanted to do that for a number of reasons. One, you know, longevity of just like having a clothing brand that exists uh, successfully has much more of a, a shelf life than, you know, me playing a YouTube character because it's already been 10 years. <laughs> like, it's already been like quite a bit longer than I thought it would be, but it's still working out. But um, yeah, it's, it's been going well. And, you know, we've been doing a lot of like Facebook advertising and you know, I put a lot of the same principles as I do with my sponsored ads as I do into my clothing ads, which is like the ad should be funny enough that, you know, whether or not you want to buy the shirt, yet you still watch the ad. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So um, this kind of wraps it up for us. But um, before we go, I got two points. Number one is I want you to, you know, plug away, plug the, uh, the Dom merch where can people grab it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I can do it. Yeah. Let's do it as Dom, okay? Yeah, so, you know, we just spoke about uh, 52 minutes here. So everyone who's been listening for 52 minutes, you owe me that much at least in T-shirt purchases, okay? I'm not going to tell you my per hour amount, but I'm pretty pricey, okay? So whoever's listening, dommerch.com, go there, click it, buy a bunch of T-shirts. Quality is great. Not going to let you down there. I'm an honest guy. You can trust me, okay? Dommerch.com. Oh, that was perfect and seamless transition. Number two, and uh, this is the last thing. Um Love the tats coming out. I see it's always that's also like something I've noticed through the channel. Have you been getting a lot of that? Like, oh, the tats are evolving uh, with the channel. Yeah. So that's a that's a, a, a totally different subject. Which was like, it's something I've always wanted to do. I've I've always loved tattoos. Like I said, I've always loved artwork. I've always loved traditional tattoos, and I've wanted to you know pretty much get a bodysuit of tattoos since I was like eighteen. 
but I didn't for acting purposes. I didn't once I started playing a character because I didn't want it to interfere with the perception of the character. Because these are like, you know, yeah, you'd imagine Dom having tattoos, but these are the tattoos I get as like my personal self. So, and also with comedy, you just kind of want a blank slate. You don't want distraction from, you know, how it's perceived. And, you know, once you start getting, you know, bold, specific, traditional tattoos, it starts to change what people think about it and it interferes with the comedy. So it's like, I waited a long time to do it. And then when I was like, I started getting them like three years ago, I was, I was like close to 30, I was like about 28, 29. I got my first one like just before turning 28, so almost four years ago. And I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna start doing this for myself because I had spent 10 years, basically seven years or whatever, living just for this character. Everything I did was like, you know, I had, this is the priority. I'm like, no, I wanna do something that's for me, that's about, you know, something that expresses my personal side. And I was like, fuck it, let's go, let's do it. You know, people don't like it, they don't like it which is not really like how I operate when it comes to, you know, my entertainment. It's like, I, I want to be liked by the most amount of people. And I knew this would kind of, um, you know, it's, it's a, can be pretty divisive people. Like I don't like the tattoos or people love them, but now it's like, because they're watching it happen, you know, if they just saw me and I already had tattoos, they wouldn't say anything about it, but they never really get to see people just start to get them and just get filled out. So it became like a thing. And now like people commented less about it, but when it became like, it went from like two to like 15, they were like, where's all these tattoos coming from, man? Yeah. Okay. Well, Mike, thank you so much. This has been, you know, again, as I mentioned at the beginning, landing the white whale. It's the, something that I've been dreaming about for a while. You make the gym fun. You make YouTube fun. Thank you so much for joining me and just uh, keep doing what you're doing. Everyone go grab some awesome merch. Reps for Jesus. Thanks, man. Right. This is the Thought Leaders Podcast. All right, everybody. That is another episode in the books. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us your comments and reviews. And new episodes will be coming out every Monday. So until then, have an awesome week. This is the Thought Leaders Podcast.